Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. I want to um, kind of start by recapping a story in the Bible, and many of us are familiar with the story, maybe read the story a lot. But it's the, it's the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. If you study and you kind of couple it or you put it together with the New Testament, the book of Hebrews called Egypt a house of bondage. And what it is is it's the story of God bringing them out of what, we, what was bondage. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it tells us that the reason that God recorded all of the stuff that we read about them is in the reason that it was recorded was so that it could be an example for us as we assess what they went through. It would be an example for us to look at and to learn from. In other words, there's parallels between what they went through and parallels with what we go through in our life and that God wants us to look at that and learn from it. And if you look at the story, by the time the book of Exodus, which is where we're going to spend a little bit of time today, by the time it rolls around, is that what we see is that they have been in Egypt for 400 years. And in that 400-year period, you remember they went in, Joseph interpreted the king's dreams, saved the entire known world because of a, a famine that was coming upon the land. Well, some 400 years later, now, the emperor has forgotten or overlooked how they got where they were and what had transpired back there. And so what has happened is, is now by the time Exodus rolls around, is the Israelites have been mistreated and abused for nearly 400 years. And what's been going on is very simply is they turned all of the Israelites into slaves and then they're killing their children. They're murdering every one of their, all of the boys that are born in order to control the race of the Israelites. And so what happens is, is Exodus 3 tells us that they're in need. And so it's been a long period of time. And finally, there's a tipping point and they cry out to God and they say, basically, God, get us out of this mess. And God responds to their need. And, and God does what he always said, he always does when we cry out to him, is he responds to our need. Say that with me. Say, God responds to my need when I cry out to him. And so when his response is recorded in Exodus chapter 3, and I want to just read God's response to their need in Exodus 3. And I want to be clear, sometimes, you know, how many of you have seen some of the... Um, Red Sea movies that are out there. The old Charlton Heston one and that. And, you know, it looked like there's, you know, oh, there's, you know, maybe there's a 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 people. Do you know that a mathematician put together, because it says how long it took for them to go through the Red Sea, and it says how, um, in it, how long it took for them to get through. And so a mathematician put it together and figured out that, it, there was between three and five million Israelites, 
and the swatch in the Red Sea had to be at least three miles long for them to get through in that period of time. So that's why the, that's why the uh, Egyptians thought the sea totally dried up because they couldn't even see water. It was that far apart. But there's three to five million of them and they're in need. And this is what God says to them after they cry out. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, or we could say their feelings. Notice verse 7. God says, I see where you're at. I hear what's going on, and I feel and know I'm aware of your suffering. Verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them by the from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into, now look at this statement, into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey in the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Waterfalethites, no, I'm kidding, is now live. Verse nine, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians, Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people out of Israel, out of Egypt. Huge need, but God got them out miraculously. I'm not going to go through everything that transpired. You can read the story in the first 15 chapters of the book of Exodus. But what we see is God sends 10 plagues that brings Egypt to their knees. And Egypt then says, get out of here. And it tells us that Egypt loaded them down with gold and goods and stuff and basically said, get out of here before our whole nation is killed. Well, they get out and they're marching toward getting out. And the Bible says that, that Pharaoh's heart gets hard and he pursues them again. And so as he's pursuing them, what we find out is that God drowns the entire Egyptian army, which is the most powerful army on the earth at that time. He drowns them in the Red Sea. And if you look some hundreds of years after that period, other nations are still reciting what God did hundreds of years before when he drowned the Egyptians in the Red Sea. And I want to pick up in Exodus 14 because now they're out of Egypt in Exodus 14. They're en route to getting into what God has for them. And look at what it says in Exodus 14, verse 11 through verse 12. And they said to Moses, this is the people, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? We have... What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Now, I want you to stop and think about it. They cried, said, get us out. Now God has got them out. They're in a difficult spot, and they turn on Moses and said, you made us leave. Verse 12, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Jump with me down to verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 24. This is one chapter later. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are, what are we going to drink, they demanded. 
Jump with me to the 16th chapter, one chapter later, verse 2 in verse 3. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they mourned. There we sat around, around pots filled with meat and ate the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Now I want you to notice something. God gets them out. Verse four, chapter 14, they're complaining. Chapter 15, they're complaining. Chapter 16, they're complaining. Now I want to ask you a question, and I realize that this is probably not politically correct. But if you've had children that complain a lot, how many of you know there's a temptation to do something? There's a temptation. How many, I'm like, God, you know, how many of you, okay, how many of you are with me? Say, I'm calling CPS on you. How many of you know what I'm saying? But what I want you to notice is this pattern. And look at what they said. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Verse chapter 17, one chapter later. Verse 2 and verse 3. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? Notice this. There is a pattern in their life of continually complaining. That's the pattern. Remember, they were slaves they did not get, they were deprived, and they drifted into this pattern. And now it's resurfacing, verse 3. But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? What I want you to notice is their mindset was God let us out and now he's going to abandon us. At one, at one point in the Bible, it says this. It says they were complaining and they said this. We remember the leeks and the cucumbers we used to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but what is a leek? You know what I'm saying? A leek sounds like a vegetable or something like that. Now, a meal to me is not cucumbers and more vegetables. I need meat. How many of you know what I'm saying? They're, they're like, they're reflecting, I mean, when your whole outlook is we want leeks and cucumbers, there's something wrong. God has better than leeks and cucumbers. Okay, and what I want you to notice is they have huge needs, remember this, and they cry out to God. They have needs in their life and they cry out to God. And they're following God and what God begins to do is reveal the weeds while he's at while they're asking him to meet the needs in their life see they had to be open to see the seeds of the weeds that had been sown in their hearts in the past because god knows that unless it is a heart change we're and we're willing to invite him into our weed patch then what will happen is our weed patch will overtake the need that he's meeting in our life. Is that if you look at this story, is, is understand this, we will keep ushering back the need in our lives. What happens when you leave weeds alone naturally? What happens? 
What happens if you leave? How many of you have ever had a garden and you just said, I'll get that tomorrow? How many of you are with me? Oh, that'll be, and you left a weed for a week. The weed begins to take over and choke everything else out. It takes everything else out. See, their weeds were a mindset that caused them to find comfort in literally the thing that was killing them. Their weeds started showing up and they had to be open to God to let him help them deal with the weeds and be willing to plant new seeds of where he was bringing them and what he was doing in their life. If you look at this story, is God just kept planting the right seeds. He just kept planting the right seeds. But ultimately, it was up to them to match their desires with their decisions in order to experience God's best. My desires don't determine what I live in. It's my desires matched with my decisions that determine what I live in in my life. I wished it was only about desires, but it is about desires and decisions. And what God does is this is a, a way that he works in our life is when we come to the point of we've got a need in our life and it's killing us and we don't want it anymore. And God, I need you to move is it softens our heart to a degree where we're willing to acknowledge the weeds. And when we acknowledge the weeds and embrace the Lord, what he does is he transforms it so the weeds don't grow back and keep on growing. But we've got to be open to the seeds. Are you with me today? The title today, put it up there. You probably guessed it. Needs, weeds, and seeds. Okay. Needs almost always reveal weeds in our life. They almost always do. They, just, they reveal, it's like, it reveals weeds. And the longer the need has been there, what happens is, is the deeper the root of the weed. We all have weeds, every one of us. And I'm just going to give you an example. Maybe you're here right now and you say, I just need a raise or I need more money or I just need to get out of this financial mess. Maybe not. Maybe you're in a spot and you're just like, financially, I'm doing great. Maybe your need today is you need inner peace on the inside. You're just governed by fear or anxiety in your life. Maybe you need security in your life. Maybe you're here and you need freedom in an area. Maybe you need a move of God in your family. Maybe you've got a, an area that you're saying, God, I desperately need to grow in this particular area. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I've been trying to find significance in all the wrong things and in all the wrong places. And what I realize is I need God in this area of my life. See, we all have needs. This is by design, is you and I are imperfect. We live in an imperfect world, and that means we have needs. Every one of us has needs. And that what, what it does is needs should always push us to seek God in our life. Even if we can fix it ourselves, even if we can do it ourselves, is to invite him and ask him to help. And this is what I notice, is that when I have a need, even if I can fix it, 
and I say, God, I need you to help me, it creates a deeper root of trust and faith in him because I'm bringing him in to every area of my life and a connection there. See, needs should push us to our creator. And then because he loves us, he shows us and helps us to overcome the weeds within our life. He always does. But we've got to be open to the weeds. Say that with me. Say, Lord. Okay, three of you said it. Okay, now you got to say it with a little spunk. How many of you know what's spunk? If Now, if somebody walked up here and they said, i got a thousand bucks I want to give somebody who wants it, what would you say? Yeah. Yes! yes! Okay, I, that's spunk. Okay, I want you to just say, <laughs> say this with me. Lord, Lord. I, am open I am open to see the weeds, see the weeds. that have been planted in my heart that are hindering me from your best in my life. I have this need, but I'm open to the weed. Show me where it is, and I want the right seeds planted. In Jesus' name. Let me just give you an example. You know, you're here, and I'm just going to give you a practical example. Is You say, I need a raise. I need more money. How many of you need more money? You need a raise. You know what I'm saying? Now, I want to just back up, and I want to just say this. And please understand, I'm not talking about, you know, I've had, I lost my job. I had to find, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Are you living within your means right now and using self-control? Are you just racking debt up, been racking debt up, and not living within my means? Understand, that's a weed. And the Lord says, no matter what I bring in, it's a lifestyle self-control issue that I want to get to the weed of that. Are you with me today? It's, it's maybe you're here and, and it's like, uh, you know, am I faithful with what I have? Do I recognize him as my provider by putting him first in my finances? Needs have a way of revealing weeds. And what they do is they push us to deal with the weeds. That's what they do because we, God, this is such a big need. They push us. And what I think in our lives, if our heart is pointed in the right direction, our needs bring a level of openness and vulnerability, which God uses to bring growth and transformation. But needs almost always reveal weeds, almost always. And am I open to see it? Weeds, and I'm going to just give you my definition of weeds. Weeds are ways of thinking and beliefs that don't acknowledge God and his word as an authority in my life. That's what a weed is. A weed is a way of thinking and a belief that doesn't acknowledge God and his word as an authority. He's just an opinion. Okay, that right there has got to go in order to live in God's best for your life. That's got to go. God's not just another opinion. His word is not. The Bible says that his word has been tested and tried. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but not one of his words will pass away. We live in a fickle up and down. Everybody's words mean something different and have a lawyer draft up a 45-page disclosure to get you out of any. You know what I'm saying? God's word is stable. It's secure. And what it is, 
is they can turn, and, and what we've got to understand is that weeds can turn into habits, conscious and subconscious faults that steal and rob us of God's best. They're what I call soulish roots that go against God's ways. Weeds, depending on the depth, they don't just go away. Sometimes, how many of you wish that weeds, it was like natural, you could just run over to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy you a bottle of Roundup? How many of you know what I'm saying? Shh, and it's gone. Sometimes God says, this is a weed. Roundup will work on those two. But this one is going to take you and me working together with a hoe. And you're going to have to sweat. And then he says, in that weed right over there, Jesus is bringing the backhoe. We're going to work on that one. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, it, but what it is, is it's us saying, it, depending on the depth of the root, they don't just go away. And many times, we would have never seen the weed had it not been for the need that we have. And, God, and the, the need has pushed us to the edge. I have a, several friends in the church that have told me the same story, that have um, gone through incredible need in their life, very difficult seasons in their life. But as they came out on the other side, they said, that was the hardest thing I ever went through, but I would never trade it or go back because of what it did in me in my relationship with God. That's what they said. It was a need, though. It was a great, it was, but what it was is God got. In Psalms 19, it says this. It says, clear me from hidden and unconscious faults, O God. Psalms 119, verse 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep and honor your word with loving obedience. See, weeds steal and cause frustration. And the big question is, how am I going to deal with them? All of us have them. We all have them. And it isn't always a roundup time. It's it, but it's God saying, it's us being honest with him and say, okay. And really the key is we've got to renew our mind with God's new, his perspective, what he's saying. I love what God spoke. You remember we started with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And do you remember the very first thing when they were in need in Exodus 3, God spoke this to them. He said, I'm going to bring you into a fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. What is that? They were in a place of need, and God planted a seed and said, this is where I'm going to bring you. En route to getting there, you're going to see a whole bunch of weeds, but every time you see a weed and you see difficulty, what I want you to remember is what I have promised. My word is seed. My word replaces your old way of thinking, your old way of seeing, your old way of responding your old way of reacting. My word is deeper. And so when you come into a spot, what I need you to do is I have planted a seed on the inside of you and I've told you what your future will hold. I've told you where I'm going to bring you. I'm going to bring you into a 
good, spacious place, a fertile land. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. So when it gets hot, when it gets hard, when it gets difficult and the weeds kick up, what I want you to do is to identify with my seed over your life of what I have spoken, of what I have declared over your life. And what it will do is it will root the weeds out of your life. Are you with me today? See, we've got to go against sometimes what we feel like in order to cooperate with what God seeds and what God is planning. In Ephesians 4.21, it says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned that the truth that comes from him, one translation says that all truth is in him. Throw off your old sinful nature and former man former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, look at that's capitalized, so it's the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Look at the statement there. Let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It's all about Lord I'm open to put off in order to put on in my life. Lord, I'm open. Okay, I got this need. I want you. God says, okay, understand. I see the need. I'm meeting the need. But understand, it just revealed this weed. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to invite me in to that area? See, seeds, what thoughts am I allowing to be planted in my thinking about my life? It determines what I'm picking tomorrow. The, th- the seeds in my thinking of, uh, you know, every day, moment by moment in my life. What are the seeds? We live right now in a crazy time in America. And every day you get on, you're on social media, you, t- you turn on the news, and it is just seeds and, and just thoughts and all of this stuff that is coming at us, and it's, and it's trying to get planted. Look at what it says in Psalms 119, verse 25 and 26. He said, Lord, I'm fading away. I am discouraged in lying in the dust. How many of you would say he's in need? Now look at what he said. Revive me by your word just like you promised you would. I have poured out my life before you and you've always been there for me. So now I ask, teach me more of your holy decrees. And I want to just take a moment and talk about there's a difference between a thought and thinking. Thoughts are just crazy thoughts. You know, I ride a a motorcycle. I like riding a motorcycle. I'm riding my motorcycle, and sometimes just a crazy thought. Oh, you're doing. How many of you believe that your pastor always stays within the speed limit? You're laughing. Just say yes. Comfort my soul. (laughs) But I'm driving my motorcycle, and the thought comes, what if your tire blows out? (laughs) I'm preaching to this section over here, coming over here. You're just going along in life. Some of us right now, you're just going along in life, and those crazy thoughts come get rid of it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Those crazy thoughts come 
that says, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You're going to, this is going to happen. You're going to die. That car is going to pull. And what it does is they're just create, understand, you can't keep the thoughts from coming, but you can stop and say, no, the Lord's got my life. Jesus is over my life. I'm not going to live by fear. I'm not going to be dominated by the stuff that's around. And what it is, is there's a difference between a thought and thinking. A thought is a moment. Thinking is, I've, be, I've, take, I've taken it beyond the moment, and now I'm letting it get into the way I see life. I believe that God is reaching into our life, and what he's saying in this time is that we have got to be people that take our thoughts captive. You know, the old, the old adage, you cannot keep the birds from flying overhead, but you sure can keep them from nesting in your hair. How many of you know what I'm saying? And, and, and what it is is sometimes in our life, we got to just stop and say, okay, I realize, Lord, I have this need in my life. And I've cried out to you. This need has revealed these weeds. But I need to ask myself, what seeds got planted to bring that weed into my life? And Lord, what are you saying right now in that area and to that area of my life? Look at what it says in Proverbs 15, verse 15. It says, all the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. But the person who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of circumstances. What I want you to notice is they're both facing the same thing. One of them has anxious thoughts and forebodings. The other one has a glad heart. There's a difference on the inside of them. And what we've got to understand in our life is I believe that, that God is saying to each and every one of us in these times is, you know what? You're always going to face needs. That's just part of life. But I want you to be open for me to reveal the weeds that have gotten in your life that maybe you think the need is this and maybe it is, but I want to get to that weed, and I need you to be open to the seeds that planted that and that are going to plant what I've got for your life. I think there's, and maybe you're here and you say, well, gosh, I don't know. How do I find out what God says about that area? The great theologian Google. How many of you know Google? <laughs> you can just type in, you know, in regard to what does the Bible say about or promises about and you will get what God says about that area of your life. And what it is, is then we stop and we begin to anchor. If there's ever a time that we need to guard what we think, it's right now. Thank you, honey. I said, if there's ever a time that we need to guard what we think, it's right now. If we don't guard what we think, we're going to be driven by fear running by fear, and we're not going to sense the Lord over our life. But if we can stop and say, Lord, I have needs, maybe right now in your life, you're in a place of incredible need in your life. You might not want to hear this, but I, what I want to tell you is this, you're in a really good place. And the reason is, is when we face great need, it opens our heart to see the weeds that the Lord has been trying to get to so that we can live in freedom and all that he has for our life. 
I want us to stand up, if you would. Lord, today we thank you for your presence, for your Holy Spirit, and for your grace. And Lord, what we realize is that, Lord, number one, for the rest of our life, we're going to be facing needs. And Lord, you're asking us that when we face needs, to be open to the weeds that are maybe adding to, that are maybe the opposite of, and identify seeds that are going to bring us into your direction. Lord, I thank you for everyone that is here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, Pastor Mike said the scripture about all the days are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. Forebodings are fearful apprehension, a feeling that something bad will happen. And our world today is trying to propagate that. But we have to release every anxiety and every fear that something bad will happen to a good God who's got us. He said, yea, though I walk through a valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The Bible says anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down, but an encouraging word makes it glad. We're here to encourage today. We're here to be glad in the Lord and yes. in the promises of God that brings us through. We're here to release all anxiety and fear. In fact, let's just do that right now. Yes. If you're anxious over your future, over your finances, over your family, over your health, release it to God right now in the name of Jesus. You know, we have to do that. We have to do it too. Whatever we tell you, we have to do it too. So let's do it today. Oh, God, yes. I release. I release. Any anxiety, any anxiety, any fear, any fear about tomorrow, about tomorrow to you, God, to you, and you are with me, and you are with me, and your word to me, and your word is me. good, is good. Your promises, your promises are yes, are yes, and amen, and amen. And I believe God, and I believe, God. and I thank you, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.